0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 20 of Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Florence Short. The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn by mark twain chapter twenty they asked us considerable many questions wanted to know what we covered up the raft that way for and laid up in the daytime instead of running was jim a runaway nigger says i goodness sakes would a runaway nigger run south no they allowed he wouldn't i had to account for things some way so i says my folks was living in Pike Country in Missouri, where I was born, and they all died off but me and pa and my brother Ike. Pa, he lowed he'd break up and go down and live with Uncle Ben, who's got a little one-horse place on the river forty-four mile below Orleans. Pa was pretty poor and had some debts, so when he squared up, there warn't nothing left but sixteen dollars and our nigger Jim. That warn't enough to take us fourteen hundred mile deck passage, nor no other way. Well, when the river rose, pa had a streak of luck one day. He catched this piece of a raft, so we reckoned we'd go down to Orleans on it. Pa's luck didn't hold out. A steamboat run over the fore corner of the raft one night, and we all went overboard and dove under the wheel. Jim and me come up all right, but pa was drunk and Ike was only four years old, so they never come up no more. Well, for the next day or two we had considerable trouble, because people was always coming out in skiffs and trying to take Jim away from me, saying they believed he was a runaway nigger. We don't run daytimes no more now, nights they don't bother us, the Duke says. Leave me alone to cipher out a way so we can run in the daytime if we want to. I'll think the thing over. I'll invent a plan that'll fix it. We'll let it alone for to-day because of course, we don't want to go by that town yonder in daylight. It mightn't be healthy towards night. It began to darken up and looked like rain. The heat lightning was squirting around low down in the sky, and the leaves was beginning to shiver it was going to be pretty ugly it was easy to see that so the duke and the king went to overhauling our wigwam to see what the beds was like my bed was a straw tick better than jim's which was a corn shuck tick there's always cobs around in a shuck tick and they poke into you and hurt and when you roll over the dry shucks sound like you was rollin over in a pile of dead leaves it makes such a rustlin that you wake up well the duke allowed he would take my bed but the king allowed he wouldn't he says i should a reckoned the difference in rank would a suggested to you that a corn shuck bed were not just fittin for me to sleep on your grace'll take the shuck bed yourself Jim and me was in a sweat again for a minute, being afraid there was going to be some more trouble amongst them. So we was pretty glad when the Duke says, "'Tis my fate to be always ground into the mire under the iron heel of oppression. Misfortune has broken my once haughty spirit. I yield, I submit, tis my fate. I am alone in the world, let me suffer, can bear it we got away as soon as it was good and dark the king told us to stand well out towards the middle of the river and not to show a light till we got a long ways below the town we come in sight of the little bunch of lights by and by that was the town you know and slid by about half a mile out all right when we was three-quarters of a mile below we hoisted up our signal lantern and about ten o'clock it come on to rain and blow and thunder and lightning like everything so the king told us to both stay on watch till the weather got better then him and the duke crawled into the wigwam and turned in for the night it was my watch below till twelve but i wouldn't have turned in anyway if i'd had a bed because a body don't see such a storm as that every day in the week not by a long sight my soul's how the wind did scream along, and every second or two they'd come a glare that lit up the white caps for a half a mile around, and you'd see the islands looking dusty through the rain, and the trees thrashing round in the wind. Then comes a whack, bum, bum, bumble, bumble, um, bum, 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 and the thunder would go rumbling and grumbling away, and quit, and then rip, comes another flash and another suckdollager the waves most wash me off the raft sometimes but i hadn't any clothes on and didn't mind we didn't have no trouble about snags the lightning was glaring and flittering around so constant that we could see them plenty soon enough to throw her head this way or that and miss them i had the middle wash you know but i was pretty sleepy by that time so jim he said he would stand first half of it for me he was always mighty good that way jim was i crawled into the wigwam but the king and the duke had their legs sprawled around so there warn't no show for me so i laid outside i didn't mind the rain because it was warm and the waves were not runnin so high now about two they come up again though and jim was going to call me but he changed his mind because he reckoned they weren't high enough yet to do any harm but he was mistaken about that for pretty soon all of a sudden along comes a regular ripper and wash me overboard it most killed jim a laughing he was the easiest nigger to laugh that ever was anyway i took the watch and jim he laid down and snored away and by and by the storm let up for good and all and the first cabin-light that showed i rifleded him out and we slid the raft into hiding-quarters for the day the king got out an old ratty deck of cards after breakfast and him and the duke played seven up a while five cents a game then they got tired of it and allowed they would lay out a campaign as they called it the duke went down into his carpet-bag and fetched up a lot of little printed bills and read them out loud one bill said the celebrated doctor armand de Montauban of paris would lecture on the science of phrenology at such and such a place on the blank day of blank at ten cents admission and furnish charts of character at twenty-five cents apiece. The Duke said that was him. In another bill, he was the world-renowned Shakespearean tragedian, Garrick the Younger, of Drury Lane london in other bills he had a lot of other names and done other wonderful things like finding water and gold with a divining rod dissipating witch spells and so on by and by he says but the histrionic moves is the darling have you ever trod the boards royalty no says the king you shall then before you're three days older fallen grandeur says the duke the first good town we come to we'll hire a hall and do the sword fight in richard three and the balcony scene in romeo and juliet how does that strike you I'm in, up to the hub, for anything that will pay, Bill Jordan. But, you see, I don't know nothing about play-acting, and hain't ever seen much of it. I was too small when Pap used to have him at the palace. Do you reckon you can learn me? Easy. All right i'm just a-freezin for something fresh anyway let's commence right away so the duke he told him all about who romeo was and who juliet was and said he was used to being romeo so the king could be juliet but if juliet's such a young gal duke my peeled head and my white whiskers is going to look uncommon odd on her maybe. No, don't you worry, these country jakes won't ever think of that. Besides, you know, you'll be in costume, and that makes all the difference in the world. Juliet's in a balcony, enjoying the moonlight before she goes to bed, and she's got on her nightgown and her ruffled nightcap. Here are the costumes for the parts. He got out two or three curtain calico suits, which he said was medieval armor for Richard III and t'other chap, and a long white cotton nightshirt and a ruffled nightcap to match. The king was satisfied, so the duke got out his book and read the parts over in the most splendid spread-eagle way prancing around and acting at the same time to show how it had got to be done then he give the book to the king and told him to get his part by heart. there was a little one-horse town about three mile down the bend and after dinner the duke said he had ciphered out his idea about how to run in daylight without it being dangersome for jim so he allowed he would go down to the town and fix that thing the king allowed he would go too and see if he couldn't strike something we was out of coffee so jim said i would better go along with them in the canoe and get some when we got there there weren't nobody stirring streets empty and perfectly dead and still like sunday we found a sick nigger sunning himself in the back yard and he said everybody that were not too young or too sick or too old was gone to camp-meeting about two mile back in the woods the king got the directions and allowed he'd go and work that camp-meeting for all it was worth and i might go too the duke said what he was after was a printing office we found it a little bit of a concern up over a carpenter shop carpenters and printers all gone to the meeting and no doors locked it was a dirty littered-up place and had ink marks and handbills with pictures of horses and runaway niggers on them all over the walls the duke shed his coat and said he was all right now so me and the king lit out for the camp-meeting we got there in about half an hour fairly dripping